the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And welcome to Lifeline. Andy Froyland here tonight, along with your host, Pastor Phil Howard. Yes, it is what it is. It is the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, that, that, that fourth Friday of the month where we get to come in and give you a spiritual sorbet and talk about things that really matter. Well, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about grace and how, specifically, we should live in these last days. Uh, it, as I mentioned, it is our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, which means uh, we get to come in once a Friday, but that's not all you get of Truth For Today. If you are a listener to KFAX, you'll know that we are also on about 5.30, 5.30 in the morning, Monday through Friday, again at 4.30 in the afternoon, and then when, uh, Sundays at 8.30 in the morning. So if you'd like to know more, and by the way, sometimes we're live, sometimes we're Memorex, you just never really know. But if you do have a question for Pastor Phil, we always encourage you to get a hold of us. Now, there's a couple of ways you can do so. You can call the ministry and leave your question on the answering machine. Or you can actually write to us, truthfortodayradio.org. Simply go to truthfortodayradio.org and drop us an email there. And we'll be happy to take that question and see if we can't get uh, the all-knowing, all-seeing Karnak. Oh, no, wait, that was somebody else, wasn't it? The, uh, the wonderful pastor, Phil Howard, uh, can come up with an answer to those, those questions that you have. All right? So... Pastor Phil, it is a new year. We're still in the first year, uh, month of the new year, and we've got a whole year to look forward to. Is Jesus coming back this year? We don't know. Uh, I want to live like he may come today or tomorrow. He's coming. Uh, one thing I hear a lot of people, they'll ask me, uh, oh, throughout the years, and like in the pandemic, and, and when the stock market goes down, they know Jesus is coming, you know. <laughs> and, and they'll ask me, uh, uh, are these the last days? I said, well, we've been in them for 2,000 years. Right. John said it's the last kind of hour, because there are many antichrists, and that, John wrote that about nine. AD, and so we've been in them for a long time, and so I want us to uh, look at some scriptures today and get notice that we will be living in perilous times, the last times, and what should we do? And so we're going to examine those verses. Uh, let, let me get read First Peter here, and, and let me be. Let me first of all read to you the sarcastic version. The end of all things is near. So get into a cave, 
uh, quit going to church uh, and start taking volume and maybe uh, knock yourself out with, you know, uh, Jack could help and uh, be a nervous wreck in the meantime. No, this is what Peter really said. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, just the opposite of a drunk mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And he goes on and shares. It's interesting what he tells them to do. First of all, uh, we're living in the last days. Are you alert? Are you spiritually alert to the times? And by the way, How's your prayer life? You know what? This year would be a good year to establish a prayer life. Uh, I didn't. I know many people. Uh, they they'll pray. They pray over the food uh, before the gravy gets too cold. Uh, but they don't have a prayer life. It's not in their calendar. It's not in their schedule. Uh, do you know how to pray? Jesus would teach you that. And something that could really help you is set aside a place in your house or wherever you are that is your spiritual altar, as it were. And set time, maybe 15 minutes. Somehow, don't be all legalistic about it. Uh, You know what? I didn't date my wife without making a date. I didn't see her. I only got to see her on the weekends when we were dating. Hey, believe me, it was not a legalistic effort to get over to see her. And so, do you want to talk to your father? Do you want to thank him for anything? Do you have anything? And he says right here, the end of all things. So stop praying. Start worrying. Never did he say that. First of all, Get your mind clear. Get your mind clear. Maybe you ought to make a promise you're going to use less tech. Quit looking at all the emails that are worthless anyway. If I get one more political email, I'm going to throw up. Uh, They've got my number. Uh, Quit seeing so much TV. And uh, by the way, how about reading the Bible? I was just with a believer yesterday who said that her mother who came to faith, I believe it was in her 80s, and she was so disappointed that she'd only read the Bible through 90 times before she died in her 90s. Hmm. Uh, I wonder, will you read the Bible through this year? Where are you reading in the Bible? You don't know any more about God than you know about His Word. Dreams and visions don't count. 
You just might have been eating too much of the wrong kind of food. What has God's... I used to pray, God, make me a prophet. And I went to my dad. I said, I'm going to be a prophet. The group I'm with said, you need to seek to prophesy. He said, I start by getting full of the prophets. Do you know what Isaiah said? I, I could barely find Isaiah when he said that. He said, I don't need any new prophets. I want to get full of the ones that have already prophesied. <laughs> so this year, prayer and being full of the word. I've been in the church now nearly 65 years. And I've been around Christians for many years in the college, pastoring, and the ignorance of God's Word multiplies. I'm, I'm afraid many don't even know how to be born again because the ignorance is growing. Side note on this, um, uh, not to st- st- steer off track a bit, but have you found the more you are a man of the Word— the less you have to worry about and stress over? It's absolutely true. Yeah, it's yeah. A, The peace of God is greater than your worries. The more you know about the sovereignty of God and who He is, the more you begin to realize He's the one in control of it all. Why should I worry? It is, it, we are, on one hand, we're theists. On the other hand, we're atheists. Our theology says He's great, mighty, powerful, holds the world in His hand, and yet Yet we're atheists. We worry as much as everybody that has no God. <laughs> but again, that and, and I, I think this lends itself to where we're going today, Phil, is that we need to be men and women of the word if we're going to be men and women of prayer. Absolutely. Well, and I, what I've seen, Andy, is... Um, I grew up in a tradition where you knelt and prayed. You didn't wait on everybody. And many times in group prayer meetings, it's pooling all the ignorance people have of God. Uh, A.W. Pink said something that's astounding. He said, the God revealed in Scripture is pitifully unknown by the man on the pew because the man on the pew has invented the God he worships as a whole. Because if you're not in the Word, you invent what he's like. Yeah. You, you make a God in your image. Right. And get over here. Look at God's portrait of himself, sovereign, all-powerful, in charge. I just read a great line that Randy Alcorn said. He said, regret never changes the past, and anxiety never improves the future. Hmm. So what are we living with all these regrets? It's already done. And what are we worrying about the future? It won't change it. It won't make it, it better. Hasn't happened yet. Hadn't happened yet. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's the uh, foundation for where we are headed tonight here on Lifeline. You don't want to miss out. We are, uh, we're scheduled to have a wonderful time tonight as we look forward with eager anticipation to the year 2023. I, one of my prayers is by the time we're done tonight, we arm you with the ability to come at the end of 2023 and unlike every other year in the past and everybody else, 
we can look back and go, hey, that wasn't such a bad year after all. That was <laughs> that was really quite good. Instead of the typical standard, boy, glad that one's over with. Let's look forward to the next one, which always brings this more the same. So there you go. That's where we're headed tonight. Do stick around. Enjoy your time with us as we uh, as we get to talk about Jesus tonight and what is in store for us as his children. This is Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. Quick time out. We are back. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, our Truth For Today edition uh, here on Lifeline. And we are talking about end times. Jesus is coming back. Could be any moment. Could be any time. I'm reminded, Phil, of, um, um, oh, China Inland Missions guy. Um, Hudson Taylor. J. Hudson Taylor. Shortly after, in his uh, uh, biography, shortly after becoming converted, a friend of his comes to him and says, you know, Jesus is coming back again. To which his reply, and I remember this uh, from years ago when I read it, was, well, then I guess I better be about what I'm doing today. Have him find me the the way I'm I'm living now, and I, I believe Martin Luther had the same approach. It's like, are are you living your life as if Jesus is coming back at any moment? Are you, and 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 not for the sake of him coming back, but because that's who you are now. That that hammer of grace has hit the knee of your heart, and the foot response is, I'm going up. Going up. It's kind of like Hezekiah. Get your house in order. You know, Isaiah told him. And uh, I I, I like my dad used to say, you know, people always say, get your house. He said, I've got it in order. I'm ready. I'm ready to move out. I I remember, um, oh, I think it was... uh, David Rosales, who pastors Calvary Chapel, uh, Chino Valley, uh, down in Southern California. I remember uh, him telling the story early on. Uh, he's with a, another friend who was just recently as converted as he was. And they're, they're going around the corner. They're down there driving, driving around. And he, he turns the corner, and his friend's door just wasn't shut enough. And as he's going around the corner, the door opens up wide, and his friend starts raising his hands as if he's going to go out. And he's <laughs> David Rosales is going, yelling at him, get back in the car. What are you doing? What are you doing? He says, well, I thought Jesus was coming. <laughs> I was on my way to meet him. And it was with all the sincerity. There's a, there's a sense of living our lives for Christ in such a way that whether he does come back in the next 10 minutes or the next 10 years, we're going to be ready. Well, it's like what uh, Paul told Timothy. Uh, in season, out of season, do these things. And we were discussing at a staff meeting one time. Uh, said, so what do you do when there's not a revival going on? What do you do when there doesn't seem to be a great move of the Spirit of God uh, working as he's done in history and Ian Murray's book on revival and those great moves of God that are unexplainable? What am I to do in the meantime? Uh, Things are cold. Things are hard. The ground seems to be uh, tough. And what you know what? Endure so as a soldier. Endure as a good soldier. And when did it ever go easy for Paul? Did, when did, did it ever get easy? Yeah. 
And I think we we keep sometimes I'm on hold in the meantime. You know, I, I think of the pandemic. We, we, we've been notified of so many pandemics. I don't know if we're coming out of one or going in one. But you know what? I'm still going to church. Uh, and some have never decided to come back because yeah. they think they can live. It's, it's a lie. I can live it better at home than church. No, you can't. God mm-hmm. said you couldn't. No. And so I think of the Peter statement here, uh, in light of these times, love each other deeply because love, love covers over a multitude of sins. You know what? Uh, they say faults get thick when love gets thin. Uh, when I'm not in loving mood, anything you do irritates me. Yeah. Because uh, God has to touch our eyes and get us. Do you love people? I had a guy tell me, I was asking a man to be a deacon one time. He said, you don't want me to be a deacon. I said, why? He said, I don't like people. I said, thank you. I said, we sure don't need a guy to wait on tables that can't stand who he's waiting on. Yeah. There's there's this notion, I think, Phil, that uh, we look at we look at those blank times in history and think, well, you know, we're just in a blank time. What 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 did Christians do after Malachi for 500 years? Well, they prepared for Matthew. What did what did Christians do during the Dark Ages between, you know, uh, two, three hundred A.D. and fourteen hundred when the, the the printing press came along? They continue to be Christians, continue to be the Christians. fact that we don't have information does not say to us that there's no information because there was none to be had. We we just God has been faithful from start to finish. Nothing has ever changed, has it? No. So you know, as, as Peter says, you know, why are you gonna why are you gonna act like he's never coming back or he already has? What are you doing in the meantime? Yeah. And I think of Ephesians. I was reading. Be very careful then how you live. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. Uh, don't live as unwise. And notice this, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he didn't say because the days are good. Right. In light of our times, do we really, if you consider yourself a believer in Christ, are you aware of the eternal consequences of dying without Christ? Or do you realize the eternal benefits you have been given to know you're going to be with Christ for no matter what they do? When I first got saved in 1958, uh, Russia was in Egypt. We were in the Suez Canal conflict. We thought we were going to go to a nuclear war. I was scared to death as an unsaved kid who'd heard about prophecy, Israel, all of that. You know what? From the moment I put faith in Christ, I took this attitude of being a pessimistic optimist. It may get worse here. It's going to get better there. Hmm. So either way, it's going to get better for me because I was going to a Christless eternity until that night. 
But after that, the peace of God is greater than the turmoil of the world. And you, listener, you may be in turmoil. There's enough to be in turmoil about. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy world. I mean, when you see what's happening to the people of Ukraine, when you see what's happening in economics, oh, who knows? The American home is disastrous. The drug cartel are succeeding. They're killing off one American after another. Hey, it, it is perilous times. Well, when eggs get to 10 bucks a dozen, it's, it's over. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it is. People look and go, this is the year. I, it, but, but that's been happening ever since the beginning, says Peter, ever hasn't it? the beginning. Yeah. Ever since the beginning. And, you know, I love the way Paul, as he developed in Ephesians, telling them how to live. He said, be careful how you live because the days are evil. Well, what should I do, Paul? He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Oh, oh, well, you may not know who to marry, where to go to college, but he's going to tell you something about God's will right immediately. Listen to what he says. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So the first thing is don't use drugs or alcohol to get rid of your problems. It won't work. He said, why don't you be filled with the Spirit? He's likening it to the drink, but it's a person. Why don't you let this person, the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to you the moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit will turn your body into a dwelling place of God, a temple. You'll become a dwelling place for the Spirit And he goes on to say, what will the Spirit, if he's filling you, what will he make you do? Speaking to one another with gripes, complaints, unthink, no, no, I just lied. I'm just trying to get your attention. Speak to one another with psalms. There's 150 of them. Hymns, sacred songs and thoughts about God, and songs from the Spirit. Oh, I started singing this morning an old song we used to sing, uh, Magnify the Lord with Me. Uh, and t- I've written songs commuting from Livermore to San Francisco at 7.30 in the morning for Greek classes. I've got songs that have never been copyrighted. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit and I composed together. And he said, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You may not be fit to get in the choir because you can't carry a tune, but you can carry it in your heart. Do you have a song in your heart? He said, the Spirit, these are perilous times, and we're singing our way to martyrdom. We're singing our way uh, to the guillotine. We're singing our way through trials, burials, cancer, death, life. I'm telling you, God has not immuned his people from trouble, but he's given them a song in the night. 
I remember when my dad was dying of cancer, he would tell my brother David and I, we'd go to see him. He said, God gives me songs in the night. Mm. He said, that's the hardest shift in a hospital. He said, the nurse doesn't seem to be close. But he said, I'll tell you, the God I know is close. Amen. And I sing songs in the night. Well, and that is what we've been birthed into. Uh, we've got a hope that gets us through tough times, challenging times. We need to take a quick time out, Phil. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation here tonight on Lifeline as we take a look at things we can do into the new year that will get us prepared and get us on an even keel when it comes to looking forward to the soon return of Christ. More in just a moment after we break for this time out. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. Andy Froyland here, kind of just making sure we get along and, and everything technically is working well. We are talking about end times. As we begin a new year, it's always great to look forward to what we have in store in front of us. And from a scriptural point of view, we are told that our elder brother, our Lord and Savior, the Lord Christ, will return and he could do so at any moment in the meantime what are you doing about that are you prepared for it are you ready for it and and i want to start off this segment uh phil with this question for you what should our motive be for looking forward to the second coming simply to get into heaven or is there a deeper motive does becoming a christian and being transformed change things and how we look at things. Well, I'm glad you asked the question uh, because I think that question is answered in First Thessalonians 5. And uh, uh, let me just read a little bit of that because I think it answers that question. Uh, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, uh, you don't need to write to you for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that that day should surprise you like a thief. The coming of the Lord for the believer is not a thief coming. Uh, no, no, no. That, that is not. That's for an unsaved world. They won't expect it. It will be like they're being robbed. But notice for us, he says, I don't want that day to come on you like darkness or a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and aware for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet for god did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our lord jesus christ and so he's telling us hey Put on the spirit-filled life. Put on hope. Put on love. Um, hey, it won't catch you not prepared. The world will be totally surprised. But even as he ends the book of Revelation, he says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, Lord Jesus. 
come. And I'm telling you, uh, I've been looking for the coming of Christ uh, ever since I put faith in him. My father did it. 2,000 years, the church has been standing on tiptoes saying, no matter how bad it gets, there's a future. You know, a lot of times historians, they have a circular view of history. Everything's going to repeat itself. We make the same mistakes. We live through the same cycles in history. But biblical history is linear. There are appointments. Messiah will come. Messiah will come again. He will set up his kingdom. We will begin eternity. See, we're on a linear track. We're going somewhere. And so uh, I'm optimistic because I met the architect of the times. It's well, I, I, I liken it to a dear friend who you haven't talked to in a long time, uh, giving you a quick text going, hey, I'm going to call you later this week. And, you know, so that that happens, say, on a Sunday. And it's it's not until Friday that I get. Oh, well, there you are. You know, I, I'm anticipating. I know. I don't know when. But when he does call, I'm pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. It's the same thing here with us as believers. We've been told he's coming. That's not going to be the surprise. Uh, when exactly will be uh, a pleasant one for us. Yes, it will. But it is going to be pleasant. Well, and I think of what James said. He said, be patient. Uh, And uh, I didn't have God to use that word because my wife says I'm not patient. And uh, I I want patience, but I don't want to suffer. So uh, I'm in a mess. But listen to what James said. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now watch this. His coming is near. Don't grumble against one another or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And in the Greek language, it is the very next event. It's a tense where he's just ready to step through the door. What do you want him finding you doing? He said, be sure you're not judging Hmm. because the real judge is showing up. And so, hey, it is kind of a warning of how we live while at the same time the anticipation is wonderful. You know, I I had a uh, grandmother, uh, she was widowed when she was probably in her maybe late 20s. Her husband died of, uh, uh, he was an Irish coal miner and died of miner's consumption in his 40s. Left her with 10 children. Hmm. And uh, she... Uh, swept a dirt floor every day. One year they were burnt out and they had to live in a chicken coop to get through the winter. Poverty, poverty in the hills of Oklahoma. And uh, But she lived in L.A. and she worked on a job and um, she would let my mother know, said, uh, Ural, I plan to come up this summer and be with you and the kids. Uh, yeah, 
okay, uh, when sometime in July, <laughs> it was torture. Because, I mean, every day, I mean, my mother said, make those beds, sweep under that floor, because the inspector is coming. Right. Uh, my grandmother was clean, clean. <laughs> uh, and I thought, why didn't you give us a date? Yeah. Then we could have done it the night before. And I think the Lord Jesus said, I'm coming again. Uh, have your life in order. Yeah. And this is the way I want you to live in the meantime. And I'm about to step through the door, and I don't want to catch the kids quarreling. Right. I don't want, and I think of a lot of believers through this Trump era of politics, through the uh, uh, Floyd situation and the racism that sparked, uh, through politics, through racism. I've never heard Christians be so critical of one another. Hmm. And you would think, you would think that uh, one of these Christians saved this. Said, oh, you should have seen me before he got a hold of me. Uh, I, I'm the improved product, you know. But said, uh, you know what? We notice you don't make it to church or prayer meetings, but you sure got an opinion. Yeah. And God said, the real judge is coming. Uh, I'd spare my judgment because he knows how to judge. He Hebrews four thirteen. Everything is naked before the eyes of him that we deal with. So so don't try to outjudge God. Yeah. God knows how. Well, that brings us back once again to kind of where we started for a moment, Phil, and that is the necessity to be men and women of the Word of God. And let's address that again on the other side of this break. We do have to take a quick time out, but when we get back, we want to help you become men and women of the Word. It's... It's real easy and real lazy. And I don't mean disrespect, but it is. Uh, 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 if you are a Christian, it's lazy to keep dust on your Bible. Mm. All right? Mm. So mm. we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Quick time out. Back with Lifeline and Pastor Phil Howard right after this. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. You can hear Truth For The Day, by the way, Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the afternoon, and again Sunday mornings at 8.30. Chance to listen to Pastor Phil on a regular basis. We encourage you to do so. It's... Um, it is our fourth Friday of the month, which means we get a chance to spend time with you here on Lifeline. And we are talking about end times, specifically how do we get prepared for it? What does that look like? Are we to be lumps on a log, just sitting there, uh, you know, um, contemplating the lint in our navel, waiting for the imminent return of Christ within the next 15 minutes? No work, no nothing. And as we've been going through this, Phil, it's it's just become really prevalent in the fact that if we are to get through the tough times, if we are to stand strong in times of trials, because they're, they're not going to get any easier. The, the Bible tells us that things will wax worse and worse. Worse and worse. So how do we stand strong in light of all of this? And again, we kind of 
touched on it a little bit as we began the program today, but really, if we are to be successful in all of this, we need to really be men and women and students of the Bible. Absolutely. I'm just thinking what uh, Peter said, since everything will be destroyed by fire, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives, and you can't do that without being in God's Word Mm -hmm. and talking to Him as you look forward to the day of God. And speed is coming. That's a tough one for me to be able to interpret. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt with uh, heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. He said, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless in His Word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. I just, I was hearing John Piper recently saying he was doing all that he could to memorize scripture more than ever because the heart is such a uh, sinful mechanism. If left to itself, it will only churn up. Uh, more and more garbage, negative thinking, wrong thinking, covetous maybe, lust, uh, grudges, all that gunk in the human heart. He said, keep putting Scripture to dislodge that, to make room in your heart, and to meditate on His law both day and night. And, uh, oh, It is a keeper. It's the only thing that got me through my youth when I was seeking to uh, live a pure life and not to run with the crowd that was saying, uh, come with us. I tell you, Scripture, because I feared His Word, it guarded my heart through the dangerous years of youth. We, we are told that uh, we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness through the Word of God. And for one to believe that is, is great and very helpful. But even more than just that, this Word of God reminds, reveals, and reasserts to us who our God really is, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And and I said, uh, all I know about God, he has revealed it himself. Uh, And just think, uh, I want to know you, God. I want to know your will, but I won't read your will. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) uh, It it just doesn't make sense. You know, as as you and I uh, reach our sunset years, <laughs> to put it mildly, we find ourselves going to doctors who are younger than us. And I've always wondered why they leave us in their offices for about 15 minutes. Once they get us from the main the main room and then they bring you back and you're thinking, okay, they're going to see you. No, 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 no. They, they make you wait another 15 minutes in their office. And I've always wondered why. And it, it, it begins to make sense to me as I get older because my doctors are younger. And I'm thinking, okay, well, do I really trust, a, a you know, somebody who's wet behind the ears with my, you know, you're going to cut me open? Really? But after about 15 minutes in their office, I did, you know, what do you do in a doctor's office? You start reading stuff on the walls, right? 
Well, all of a sudden, I'm reading diploma after diploma after diploma, and I'm thinking by the time I'm done, and about the time he's coming in, I'm thinking this guy's pretty well done. Well, he's no, he's well, done. He he's capable. He's got all these diplomas. So what he if he done the, No, but wonder if they would put up there F in chemistry, <laughs> F in biology. Yeah. Uh, but mom spoke up for him in psych, yeah, and right. but as a whole, he has failed most of the sciences. Well, I'd be running out of that office. Yeah. But you see, the thing is, I, I, and, and again, my mind goes back to Jeremiah chapter 32, that amazing prayer of his when he can't understand why God tells him to buy property that's going to be in the hands of the Babylonians in about a month. What does he do? He goes to remember who his God is. Basically, he's just sitting in the waiting room reading God's diplomas. So by the time he's done, he's going, okay, well, I, I, you know you know what you're doing. I'm, uh, sure, I'll buy property. Sure, you can cut on me. I, go for it. Absolutely. But if we are not men and women of the Bible, how can we know who our God is? Can, well, and are you a workman that need to be ashamed? <laughs> and he made that possibility in Second Timothy 2.15. Study. Uh, I was just talking to uh, one of the elders of our church that uh, with my constant prodding and pushing him, I finally began to speak uh, on Sunday and does a good job. But he told me the other day as we were talking, he said, because uh, sometimes being a preacher is a mystical thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can be anything but a preacher because that's an aura with some. Uh, if there's any respect left to it, uh, and there is. But he said, you know what I'm finding out? I said, what's that? He said, the biggest challenge to preaching, and I'm listening is after after I've preached 60 years to the, the man, <laughs> tell me about it. And he said, what I have found out, it means constant preparation. I said, well, I grew up with a little saying that went this way. If you want inspiration in presentation, you must spend perspiration in preparation. Mm. Because it's not you just get up and talk. Right. And the talkers make terrible preachers because we can hear rattle brains anytime. But I'm listening for another voice. Right. I'm listening for the voice of eternity. And it only comes through Scripture. Yes. And what did the Pharisees say? And what did the people say? He teaches different than Pharisees. He teaches as one who has authority. And sometimes when I hear men, I'm looking for the divine, authenticating voice because I will bow before Scripture. I will will submit. I fear the author. I love the author. Well, and and I I can attest to the fact after uh, close to two decades of working with you and Truth For Today, um, you are someone who mines till you're spent and then spends what you mind. And and you're right. There is, we are speaking on behalf of somebody else, not ourselves. And, um, and, and, And I will say, as we close out this segment and move into hour number two of Lifeline, um... 
it is it is exactly what you hear on Truth for Today on a regular basis. Uh, you, you're going to hear uh, somebody who is not there for their own benefit, but for the benefit of someone else, our elder brother, the Lord Christ. Yes. On that note, as we move into a new year, uh, and I mentioned just a moment ago, you can listen to Truth for Today on a daily basis here on KFAX. It doesn't show up on KFAX without some sort of expense. And we would we would love it if you would partner with us uh, financially and prayerfully and say, yeah, you know, I, I do listen. Uh, in fact, since they've been putting it on at 430 in the afternoon, it's been great. It's a great lead into K, to Lifeline. So, yeah, I've been listening and it's been encouraging. Man, we would love to hear about it. We really would. We would covet your prayers. And we would ask you to pray that the Lord would lead you, if financially, to be a partner with us. Yes. Uh, that we can continue this ministry here on KFAX. That would mean a great deal to us moving into the new year, as well as those who benefit and are blessed through the regular ministry of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. With that, we'll take a quick time out, come back, and begin hour number two here on Lifeline. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 